following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. Lord, today, as we dive into your word, and as we talk about loneliness, Lord, open our eyes to see the good news of who you are for us, that we may feel lonely, but we are never left alone. May my words today be of encouragement. In your son Jesus' name, amen. So we're gonna be talking about loneliness today. We're gonna talk about how um, that affects us all as, as we're in this series New Year say me, looking at these ideas that still affect us, that even as New Year starts and we get all that excitement for what's to come, the old things end up lingering and coming back. So how do we look at those in light of what's going on? Now, to start talking about this, I want to give you a quick snapshot of just how much our world has changed. So we're going to look at that snapshot through travel and communication. So first, I want to think about the Mayflower. So the Mayflower sets sail in 1620 and it takes a little over three months to get from Southampton, England over to the Americas. Now I want you to think what it would be like to be on a ship with the same people for three months. Just live in that feeling for a second, right? Okay, so here we go. The Mayflower, 66 days. Well, then we have the Queen Mary. So the Queen Mary would have been a contemporary of the Titanic. I decided not to use the Titanic because that travel time would be real long. Um, But in 1934, the Queen Mary could just chop that travel so far down. We're looking at four days that it would take to traverse that transatlantic from Southampton over. Well, then we get the telegram. Now we actually go back in time a little bit to get to the telegram, but in the 1800s, the telegram is ran across the Atlantic Ocean. I want you to think about that. Like, it's cool to be like, oh, this telegram, we can send messages. To do that, they had to run cable from England to the United States across the ocean. And it still took 16 hours for that message to send across that cable. So you're still waiting. You send a reply and here it comes 16 hours later. Well, then you get the spirit of St. Louis, Charles Lindbergh. And Lindbergh is able to fly from New York to Paris in 33 hours. Now that's an incredible feat and also sounds like the worst plane ride ever. And if you ever take a second, I want you to look up like a breakdown diagram of the spirit of St. Louis. Because this wasn't like, here Lindbergh is just in the lap of luxury. No, he is crammed into a cockpit and like they tried to eliminate as much weight as possible to add as much fuel as possible. So he can only see out basically through a periscope in the front. It is my nightmare. And he did it for 33 hours. Now let's get to Pan Am. Now this is Indiana Jones to its core, right? This is the first commercial flight, starts going in 1939 across the Atlantic, 
but it's a float plane because you got to stop and refuel. Now, you want to know, like, you go from Lindbergh, look up a cross section of this. This is um, a Boeing something. I actually, like, I knew the name of the plane because I wanted to get the picture right for all of you. I didn't want to, you know, skimp on that. So this is an early Boeing float plane. And if you look at this cross section, this is a lap of luxury. I mean, flying in this makes first class look embarrassing. But it was still 29 hours. Now let's jump ahead to the 60s. Because now, like, get rid of luxury. Because here's the Concorde. The Concorde means business. There ain't no luxury here. There's just straight speed. Because you could get from New York to Paris in three hours. Now, there were a lot of issues with the Concorde, which is why it doesn't fly anymore. But three hours, that's here to Houston. But you're flying across the Atlantic. And then we think about emails, we think about telephone calls. But I want you to look at this. This is a picture from my buddy Anthony's Instagram. Anthony's a marine biologist. And I've always followed what he does because he does a lot of really cool things. He worked in the Bimini um, Shark Lab for a while, which is down in um, the Caribbean. Well, now he's in New Zealand. Getting to New Zealand is a feat. There is no quick way to New Zealand from anywhere. But when Anthony posts on Instagram, I can see his pictures almost instantaneously because of how connected we are now. When it used to take 66 days to cross the Atlantic to now, you can message someone on the other side of the globe as quick as you can type it. But as you think about how connected we've become, about how quick that's happened, let me share some statistics with you. This is from a CNN article um, quoting a Gallup poll that was very recent about uh, 1.3 billion, which is one in four around the world, they didn't, weren't able to do the survey in China. So it's about 70% of the globe that they were able to do this research with. 1.3 billion, 25% say they're lonely. In a world that is so deeply interconnected, 25% of people say they feel alone. Now, here's the other statistic. Of that group, the highest rate is at 27% of 19 to 29-year-olds. First, I want to take a second that I had to step back and go, that's not me anymore, <laughs> which was loads of fun. But as I think about that, that actually helped me to understand because for me, I still have some memory of the world before home internet just a little bit, but I have that memory before internet was in the house. For 19 to 29 year olds, that's almost non-existent. One of the most interconnected generations ever, and they are the highest reporting that they're lonely. Loneliness is something that's going to affect us no matter how connected we become, loneliness is still present. 
So what is loneliness? Well, I would say loneliness is that feeling of wanting to be known and not finding it. It's that relational connection of being connected to someone and feeling like they know who you are and you know who they are. It's the question, am I alone? Am I on an island? Have I never experienced this? I can't tell you the blessing in my life when I have friends who are just a little bit further along in the journey than me and when I run into doing something really stupid and they go, oh, I remember when I did that. Because all of a sudden that loneliness is cut back as you go, oh, I feel like it's just me. So loneliness is that feeling of saying, people just don't know who I am. People just don't understand. I can't go and share with someone who I am, what I am, what it's about. Now, loneliness is not something new. That's why as we look at it through this lens of the new year, it's something that's going to happen. And it's something that's happening at an incredible rate. That even as we are so interconnected because of the phones in our pockets, the tablets in our rooms, the laptops at our work, even as we are that interconnected, we are still struggling with loneliness. And we could make an argument to say, well, it's because of those things, because of technology, all of these things are happening. It was fascinating this week. Um, sometimes on my lunch breaks, I want to watch a, a good documentary, just something in the background, what's going on. And, and so I found this documentary about Y2K, which some of you in this room are like, what's that? It's because you weren't born yet. So Y2K, when the clock went from 1999 to 2000, a bunch of people realized our computers aren't built to do this because the memory on early computers wasn't big enough to recognize that switch from 19 to 20, from the 1900s to the 2000s, that as they wanted to build memory, they thought, aha, one thing we don't have to add memory for is when 2000 comes along, because who cares? Like we weren't gonna have computers anymore. So the problem is, is everything became automated as computers became more deeply ingrained in infrastructure and in our lives. The idea was Y2K is coming, everything's gonna break, and we're gonna be back to the Stone Age. And I love, they started this documentary with people tanning hides. And it was like a family. Right, they're like, we're going to the Stone Age. And it's like this kid scraping the fur off a squirrel pelt. And I'm like, man, I'm glad my dad didn't make me do that. <laughs> but what blew my mind was there was a moment where they had then President Clinton and Vice President Gore, and they were in a California high school running ethernet cables through the ceiling to a classroom. Now, obviously this is a photo op. There's all kinds of things going on in and around it, right? Like this, it's set up. But then the world explodes because here they are on a video call with a school in Louisiana. Now it is the worst video call I've ever seen 
because they're trying to talk and they're talking over each other because you're waiting for all that information to be sent across this brand new internet. But you could tell there was this moment as it was happening that the speechwriters had written something for President Clinton to say. And he talked about looking and he said, listen, now we can talk to you and everything, the world is going to come closer together. And we're all, and it was like this bright future ahead of us. And all I could think was like, oh boy, if you only knew what the internet's going to do. But I think sometimes we take that. And again, it was this moment in that day and age where like, look at all it's going to do. And there's, you know, this Y2K fear and we got through it. but we like to look and blame our new interconnectedness to say, well, of course we feel lonely because look at what social media is doing to us. Look at us, you know, look at all these things. There's comparison, there's all that. I hate to tell you this. That's been around since the fall of Adam. We just do it at speeds that are much faster than we used to. And I think we can talk about that. We could say, yes, like my friend Anthony in New Zealand, the fact that I can be jealous of the scuba diving trip he took in real time. Sure, yeah, we got that. But we're not getting lonelier because of social media. Now, may it be part of the problem? Sure. But we're getting lonelier because it's part of the enemy's plan to work against how God created us to be. We're created to be in community. We're created to be together with humanity. And so as we look at loneliness today, I want us to think of two ditches. One side is actually a sinful loneliness, a loneliness that we create as a sin, which we would call independence. Now, independence isn't bad, but independence is bad when we do it to the negation of relationship. So I want us to think about that And then I want us to think about loneliness that happens to us, that feeling of loneliness where we're not causing it. We just feel that. And then I want to talk about a middle way. So first let's talk about loneliness as a sin, which was a strange thing for me to think about because I, you know, loneliness is something that happens to me. It's not something that I do. But if we think about loneliness as a, as a sinful place, this side of that ditch is saying, I don't need others. I can do it on my own. Because that kind of loneliness is self-created and oftentimes then can push us to a place where we go, I don't need God I can do it on my own. And then that kind of breaks into some things. That could be a very like proud thing of saying, I don't need God, God doesn't exist. Or it could be a self-righteous thing of saying, oh no, I'm good enough. I want to take a look at our Isaiah reading from today. So this is Isaiah 41 verse 10. And the prophet writes this, he says, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Notice who is doing in these verse. I am with you. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with 
my righteous right hand. The action happening here is God helping his people. And if we seek a loneliness that says, I can do it, God says, no, you can't. I am here as your refuge, as your strength. And in fact, I love here, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That theme shows up throughout the Old Testament, this idea of the righteous right hand, that it's basically saying, this is the power hand of God. This is the hand with which he does his mighty works. You know, you think ahead to the New Testament, the disciples will ask, who gets to sit at your right? You know, we have that phrase in our vernacular, your your right-hand man. But here God is saying, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now what's fascinating is let's look ahead a couple of verses here to Isaiah 41, 13. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, I'm the one who helps you. So literally he says, listen, with my righteous right hand, I'm gonna lift you up. And listen, with my left hand, I'm gonna hold your right hand. Fear not because I'm the one who helps you. When we get caught up in our own loneliness, when loneliness becomes a sinful aspect and we go, God, I don't need you. I understand it. I get it. We want our own way. And God says, listen, not only do I hold you up, I hold your hand like you're the little kid in the parking lot. With my right hand, I lift you up. And with my left, I hold on to you. You see, God combats the loneliness that we cause ourselves by saying, no, it isn't you. I'm the one who does this. Stop thinking that you can, because if you think that you can, you're either going to walk away from me because you're going to think there is no God. I've got it on my own. Or you're going to start walking to your own self-righteousness because you're going to say, I can do this. And God is very clear in saying, no, I am the one who does this. I uplift you and I hold you. But what about on the other side? What about when we are feeling that loneliness? Because yeah, there's loneliness we enact by seeking our own independence, but there's loneliness that happens when the friendships aren't there, when the relationships seem to fail, when things get hard. What happens when we're in that place of loneliness? Here's what Paul writes to the church in Rome. He says this, Now in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let me read 39 again. Nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. When you are in that lonely place, when you're in this ditch on the other side, where you're not seeking to be lonely, but you feel it, the God of the universe says, through the work of Jesus, there's nothing that can separate you from my love. 
nothing. If you go through this list, Paul is writing this in an incredible way. And I actually, the, the translation here of rulers is a little bit clunky because that rulers is actually, he's going to, this is not like we're thinking, oh, the rulers. No, he's talking spiritual warfare, demonic forces, the rulers of the air is how they would say it. He's saying, no, listen, even those spiritual things that you think can separate you from me is untrue because my love claims you. That there's nothing that can be done to separate you once you are within that love. God has the cure for loneliness. Now, I'm not saying that all you have to do is when you feel lonely, sit back and go, oh yeah, Jesus, Romans 8. But what happens is the God of the universe who sends his son for you, joins you there. And he says, you're not alone. You cannot be separated from my love. And in fact, the middle way, if we go ahead here to Matthew 28. Now, Matthew 28 is so well known. This is the great commission. And usually we focus on verses 18 and 19. But today I want to look at verse 20 that says this. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You know, when Jesus says this is right before he ascends to heaven. Could you imagine that confusion? Jesus is like, and behold, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Later, and he ascends to heaven. And there are all these disciples going, hold on. Like you just said that you were gonna be with us, but now you left. And to the point that the book of Acts will start off by saying there were some angels that said, he's not coming back. Go on. Like, could you imagine that confusion? I'm so thankful we're on this end of scripture where we can see the full picture because if I'm a disciple at that point, like I'm staying up at night going, he said he was gonna be with me and then he left. What's that about? Now we'll get to Pentecost. The Holy Spirit shows up. We figure out what that's about. But in the line of the promises of Jesus, the final promise he utters before he ascends into heaven. This is it. This is the bookend. He says, and I am with you always to the very end of the age. So often we can get caught up in trying to say, Lord, where are you? I can't find you. I'm alone. And so we think we've got to be more spiritual. We have to be more holy. We have to do more things. And literally Jesus is saying, you don't have to look. When I said I was going to be here, I meant it. Stop looking around. I am here. The temptation for us is to believe the lie that the promises of God are coming instead of saying they are with us already. Loneliness is part of the fall because the beauty of creation is that we are created to be together. We are created for community. That even in the beginning, God creates Adam and says, it is not good for man to be alone. Humanity is created to be in community. And I was convicted as your pastor, as I wrote this sermon to say, I want us as narrative to be better at that. To be that physical manifestation of God's church on earth that says, we are not alone. 
I've watched it transform some friends of mine who are church planters, who they were brought in what we call a parachute plant, which is basically a church said, hey, we love you. Here's some money. Go out the airplane. We'll see you later. And they've done some incredible things, but they were alone. And I've watched the Harvest Partnership, which is our partnership of sending churches and planting churches, make one of our core ideas, no planter alone. And I've watched it transform my life. I've watched it transform the life of my friends. And if we can say that as a church planting network, can we say that as a church together? To say no one walks alone. And I think that's the challenge God is laying in front of us. Is he saying, listen, you can't be separated from my love. I'm with you wherever you go. I uphold you with my righteous hand. Now go and do that wherever you go. And I think that's part of the challenge we have to lay in front of us. And in fact, this part of the sermon was like in the sermon and out of the sermon about four times. Because I was like, do I want to say that? Do I not want to say that? You know, how are we doing as a church? Is it great? Okay, well, let's. Let's let that be a challenge in front of us. No one left alone. Not because we want to be in people's business, not because we want to like fix people, but to say, listen, we're all walking this together. And if the love of Jesus is never separate from us and we've been given this community, if 25% of us are feeling lonely, well, we know the antidote. We know that it's the love of Jesus given to us. And we know that in community, we can express that together. And I don't have a perfect answer for that. But I think we can discover that together as a church. How do we get better at this? Because in some ways we do a great job. And in some ways we fall on our face. And the point is not to get stuck and go, oh, we could never be good at it. It's to slow down and say, Lord, Show us the way forward. And that's the challenge we have. But today know that you are not alone, that Jesus is with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Lord, may we see that the loneliness that can infect us can draw us away from you. It can take us to a place where we think our own independence, our own place of self-righteousness is what we need. Lord, wash us clean of that need. Lord, we can see and feel that loneliness ourselves. So I pray that we as the church would come together and build a community that seeks after you, where no one is left alone. Open our eyes to see where you are calling us. Open our hearts to invite others in, to grow as a people that expresses that love and that community where we are known by our God and we seek to be known by each other. I pray this all in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.